0: The title of tonight's message is, I Saw My Lord Rising." The scripture comes from John, again, chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter went out, and the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet they had not understood the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. We talked uh, a little bit last night about the chronology of Holy Week. And, and I want to point to this the opening verse. It says, now on the first day of the week. Here, the first day of the week, remember, is going to be Sunday, Sunday if you remember the Sabbath is on Saturday and it ended at sunset on Saturday evening and the first day of the week is Sunday Sabbath being the last day of the week and of course we're talking about in the Hebrew culture so it's Sunday morning and remember we said that jesus was resurrected sometime after sunset on saturday and obviously before this event we don't know exactly when but we know that mary got there very early sunday morning because the scripture tells us it was still dark then mary ran back to the disciples that telling them that jesus body had been taken from the tomb And she didn't know where he had been taken. Why didn't it dawn on them that he had risen? Well, it did eventually, but obviously they were a little slow to catch on. How many times did Jesus tell them exactly what was going to happen? I, I, I just quickly looked through the four Gospels, and I found six occasions where he told them exactly what was going to happen. He predicted exactly just as it had taken place. Yet, the women and the disciples were not seeing it. And if you if you flip back in, in the book of John, just back to chapter 2, verse 18 through 22, You'll find one of those occasions. And it says, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So they finally did catch on. We just don't know exactly when. Last night, the opening verse in the scripture that I read from John 19, verse 28, was after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished. Then in verse 30, again he said, it is finished. In our passage tonight, he's saying it again. It is finished. Although it might take a little study to see it, but he's saying it. we look back at verses 6 through 8. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloth but folded up in a place by itself. What significance could this possibly have? The cloth folded up neatly by itself. And of course, you know the linen cloth that they're speaking of is what they had the body wrapped with. What we, what would have been, uh, what would have been Jesus's earthly uh, occupation prior to his starting his ministry? We know that uh, Joseph, his earthly father, was a carpenter. So, it's a pretty good. Chance that Jesus worked as a carpenter as a young boy, and a young man growing up. Uh, the carpentry trade in those days was quite different from from what we know of today. Carpenters in those days would build furniture, uh, all types of woodworking projects. And when the carpenter built, let's say, a table, for example, <clears throat> and He would also, as part of his duties, he would put a hand-rubbed finish on that table. Most likely, he would rub it with olive oil. And when the table or whatever the piece was that, that he was working on was finished, he would neatly fold that rubbing cloth and place it on the table. Then if his customer came by and he didn't happen to be in the shop, They see their table, and the cloth is neatly folded on the table. They know it is finished. God has a plan, and his plan is intricate. His plan is detailed. His plan is far-reaching, and his plan is final. What is Jesus telling us with this folded cloth in the tomb. He's saying once again, it is finished. His awesome and brilliant plan for your salvation was finished. When God saved the Israelites from captivity in Egypt, he had them to select a one-year-old lamb from the flock that was without spot or blemish and keep that lamb in the house with them for four days. They had to select the lamb on the 10th day of the month and then Passover was on the 14th day of the month. So they had this cute, soft, cuddly, lovable little lamb in the house with them for four days. And you know as well as I do, the kids probably already got attached to it and probably the parents too. Then. Their instructions were to sacrifice that lamb, take the blood from that lamb, and smear it on their doorpost of their house, and they would be saved. This was the first Passover, and God led his people out of Egypt. God instructed the Israelites that they should celebrate Passover every year and remember what God did for them saving them from captivity and slavery in Egypt God instituted at that point the sacrificial system whereby a person could sacrifice an animal and the blood of that animal would atone for sins but This atonement was only temporary. And it had to be repeated over and over again. But God had a plan. About 2,000 years went by. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to finish that plan. And as I said last night, John the Baptist gave the plan away in John 129 although few recognized it when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the perfect, unblemished, spotless, sacrificial Lamb, and as part of God's plan, he would be the final sacrifice. If you notice something about the celebration of Passover, prior to uh, prior to Jesus coming, the focus the focus on at Passover was on the lamb. That was the focus. Uh, uh, that was the focus of the meal. That was the focus of the celebration. Was the lamb. Now, when Jesus celebrated. The last Passover with his disciples, he changed the focus. He changed the focus from the lamb to the bread and the wine. Now if you notice in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they all rec- have a, in different ways record uh, the Last Supper. The lamb is not mentioned. In any of those. Even though the Jews don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, from that time forward till now, they changed their focus from the lamb to the bread. When they celebrate Passover. Like I say, they may not have believed in it, but God had a plan. Jesus, Jesus was the final lamb. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, the author makes several crucial points that I'm going to highlight for you. He opens this chapter by explaining how under the old covenant the high priest entered the most holy place only once per year and then only with the blood of animals. The point he is making is the high priest under the old covenant had to make sacrifices and enter with blood over and over again year after year and then we pick up in verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of, blood, of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. Do you hear what he's saying? Back up in verse 12. Christ has secured our eternal redemption. Now why? Why did he do that? What has he secured our eternal redemption for? He explains that so that through the eternal spirit, his offering of himself will purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So what he is saying here, plain and simple, Christ is saving us by offering himself so that we might move. We got to move from the dead works that we are involved in in this world and move toward serving, serving the living God. And now we pick up verse 15. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, Christ is our mediator. He stands between you and God, mediating on your behalf. He has established a new covenant, for under the old covenant you could not receive eternal redemption but jesus sacrificed under the under his new covenant you will receive the promised eternal inheritance you are heir to the promises of christ and he has made that possible for you and for me I'm skipping down to verse 24. For Christ has entered not into holy places but with the hands, not in holy places made with hands which are copies of the true things but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by sacrificing himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Just like Billy's song says, I'll rise again, and I will come again. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He appears before God on our behalf. He will appear a second time. Are you eagerly waiting for him? He is coming. Are you ready? He is ready. He's ready to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you ready and waiting for him? In remembrance of what Christ did on this very night, some 2,000 years ago, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, whatever name you want to call it's still the same thing. But it is still the same thing. It is Passover modified by Christ himself. Here at the chapel, we have an open table. We place no restrictions on receiving the elements, only those that are found in God's holy word. And whether or not you're worthy to receive communion is strictly between you and God. No one on earth can tell you that you're not worthy. Only God. And only you know for sure. (laughs) This is a time when we can come together before the Lord and lay down our sins, our burdens, whatever, at the foot of the cross and turn our eyes toward Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Become a part of the new covenant, claim your place as an heir to the kingdom. Let's pray. Holy Father, we give you all the glory and praise and thanks for all your most wonderful blessings. We thank you most of all, Father, for the finished work of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for what he has done for us. Father, I pray that you will pour out your blessings on everyone gathered here tonight. I pray, Father, that you would bless these elements of Holy Communion, that they are for us, the body and blood of Christ. As we partake in this sacrament tonight, and we ingest this bread and this fruit of the vine, may it serve to draw us ever closer to you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in your name I pray.